who was born in Bethlehem is what we want to look at. And uh, I was looking through my notes. I've tried to preach on this passage every Christmas I can because the other Gospels, Matthew and Luke, give genealogies. Uh, Matthew traces the genealogy to show Jesus is the son of David, the rightful king of Israel. So basically the genealogy of a king. Luke comes along with the perfect humanity. There was a problem in the Davidic line, and that was that in, the, in Jeremiah, in the days of Jeconiah, God said, nobody from your line shall ever sit on the throne of David. And he was a Davidic king, a Davidic heir. So we got a problem. How can Jesus ever sit on the throne when the family tree is under a curse? Well, Mary happened to be on the side of the family that was free from that curse. So what did God do? He said, we'll eliminate the male contribution to this king, and God himself will produce that counterpart and create a real pregnancy and a real daughter related all the way back to David without the family curse. Now, what we want to do is we want to know who, who was born in Bethlehem. Because as the survey says, most people think Jesus was created. Uh, in the fourth century, a man by the name of Arius started the heresy that he had a beginning in time. And, then he, and so sometimes you can think, Bethlehem is where Jesus began. Now, John starts his gospel, no genealogy, because when you're talking about God, he doesn't need a genealogy. And he's going to give us 10 markers to identify who was born in Bethlehem. Do you ever take notes? Do you? I, we, we hand out sheets. You, you won't remember all of this, and it's too good to forget. You need to learn to take notes because impressions are soon wore off. You want to know this and explain it to your children. And your grandchildren. You know what? I mean, you, you know all the uh, fairy tales. You know about St. Nick, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. You've been telling that lie for centuries. But, but the truth we need to be able to tell, right? Okay, Cole, I'm going to see your notes after the meeting, see how many notes you take. Oh, young people, you can take notes. You just use a piece of writing. They call it usually a pencil pen, or if you're good, do it. I, you don't care. But do you ever go to church to learn, or is church a mindless event for you? You can't worship a God you don't know. And you don't know any more about God than you know about His Word. Because we don't invent Him. He's revealed Himself. Let's look at John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. 
He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own hometown, is the idea, and his own people, primarily Israel, did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. That's quite a statement. The only God, it's a word, monogenes, the one of a kind, the French translated the unique God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. You cannot know God apart from Jesus Christ. He's the revealer. Ten things you need to know about who was born at Bethlehem. So we can just find the babe is an eternal being. Look at this. In the beginning was the word. John gives him this title. We'll look at it further. But the idea is it says this way. In the beginning was already existing the Word. That's what he's saying. Because the was is an imperfect tense, means past action, ongoing. Ongoing action. He was being already when everything began. Before anything began, he was being. So, before anything ever existed, this one called the Word here in John's prologue. This one says, I am before everything began, therefore I'm an eternal being. So, the babe born in Bethlehem, the humanity began there, but not the person. The person has always existed all the way back. So, he's an eternal being. Two, the babe is given the title of the Word. In the beginning was the Word. That's interesting. He's talking about a person, but he gives him the title, the Word. This was a buzzword in philosophy. Philo, uh, Athens, uh, Greek philosophy was always debating, even in commentaries on the Bible. You could read page after page discussing what is this logos. Let me try to simplify it. Logos is simply the Greek word for word. 
They had another word, harema, but it was an utterance. But this one was logic, the full expression. So what he's saying is, this one designated the word. What do words do for you? They express what's in your heart, what's on your mind. And I would never really know your heart or mind unless you let me in by way of how? Words. People who are introspective or people who are introverts are very hard to know. You find that true? They're hard to know because basically they don't want you to know. They're private. They, you know, they're, they're private. That's okay. I don't want you to know. I, I, I want to know everything. When, I'm out, when I meet people, wherever you're born, where you grow up, how much money you make, what's your social security number, I want to know you. Tell me about you. Carolyn just walks in. Why? I don't want to know all that. It's none of my business, and I'm not telling them anything I don't want them to know. I'm saying, you need to loosen up. You need to be a people person. I don't want to. I'm right here. I'm, and she does fine. If God, God had talk, quit talking to the human race for 400 years, from Malachi to Matthew, God went quiet. You've sinned. You've gone away from me. I've warned you through the prophets. I've talked. I've sent prophets. You've killed them. I've sent prophets. You've heard them. On and on. And he says, I'm through talking. After 400 years, we hear God crying in a manger, in a baby. And God is saying, I got something to say. And what I've got to say, I'm going to say it in this babe. And Hebrews says, God has spoken various ways and various manners in times past, but in these last days he has spoken to us in a son. God talks to us. He is the expression of the heart and mind of God. This is who the babe is. I'm not sending a prophet. I'm sending my son. And if you remember in Matthew 21, when he told the story of the tenants, he said that the owner loaned it out to different slaves, and they managed it. But when he sent someone to collect the rent, they rose up and killed the messengers. Finally, he said, if I send my son, they'll pay the rent and quit being so terrible. And they take the son, and they kill him, and they throw him out of the garden, out of the vineyard. And it says the Pharisees, says, they knew he was talking to them. God the Son was sent from heaven as God's last messenger. And he said, the one here in Bethlehem, we call him the expression of God, the Word. He's the Word. Third thing about him, he was in a face-to-face -face relationship with God. When he said the beginning was the Word, and the Word was facing God, the idea is a fellowship of equality, a fellowship of mutual understanding. So he's saying there's an equal footing. There's one who can talk to God as God. The one called the Word is facing God, and it's just like co-equal. We can talk. We're on the same level. So, Father, you were back here in the beginning. So was I. 
Father, you're involved in creation, so is I. Father, you are omniscient, so am I. You are all-powerful, so am I. Now what he says, listen here. And the Word, no one, watch this, and the Word was God. Wait, wait, back here you've got the Word facing God, and here you're calling the Word God. Which is which? The both. That's two persons being talked about. The one he calls God is who? who? The Father. God the Father. And the Word we know is God the Son. And he's talking to him. And Jehovah's Witnesses love to distort this verse because when it was translated, it says, and the Word was God. It they translated the word was a God. Watchtower edition, John 1 1. Now, they can't translate it that way. Yeah, they could put a, a, an A there, but they put a, a small A and a small G. It says he was a God because they believe he began and that he is God but he was created by the real God, Jehovah, and so he's a spinoff. The Gnostics taught the same kind of thing. But let me give you a little grammar lesson here. You got two ways to state something, Greek and English, anarthrous, articular. If you say articular, just think of a definite article, the, the. If I told you to go find the house, what am I emphasizing? Identity, particular, specific. So the, now it didn't translate this. And the word was the God. It didn't translate that way. Because he's not the God. He's one of the persons of the Godhead. They translated it. He is a God. But they didn't need to put the A. If I told you to go and find me a house, uh, which one would that be? Well, how would you know what to look for? You look for something that has the nature, the quality, the makeup of a house, right? Because you're emphasizing character, nature, not a particular one. So he says, the word was God as to his nature and to his quality. He's emphasizing that this one has the quality of being God. Well, let's keep on. So number one, he's an eternal being. Number two, he's given the title of word. Number three, he's on equal footing with God. Number four, um, being called, he is God, so he just comes out and says that. Now, watch this. I emphasize he's co-eternal, and let's make, uh, well, verse 2, notice. He was at the beginning with God. Now, when you read God, be good if you died. Who, okay, if he, the word, was God, who is, who is this one he was with? He was in the beginning with God who? God the Father. 
Don't read verses that say God. Anybody can talk to you about God. The devil can talk all day about God. There's nothing sacred about God unless you talk about the triune God. And then you say, and you hear this all the time, thank you, Father, for dying for me. Is that true? Well, it doesn't matter, does it? Well, it seemed to matter to them. The son, or like, hear this, uh, Jesus, I want to talk to you in prayer. And Jesus, if he could talk back, he said, well, I told you to address the Father. Come on, Jesus, I just want to talk to you. Well, you can, but I told you to say our Father. Well, I just say, Jesus, Lord, 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus. He said, you're not praying the way I taught you. I told you to say Father. Why don't you? Did he teach us how to pray? And so when you see a passage, he, the word, was existing in the beginning with one who was called God, and this person is God the Father. And notice this about this one. The babe is the agent of creation. All things were made by him, through him. It's a Greek word that means the agency. He was the agent of all creation. The Father was the source. The Son was the agent by which he created. Colossians 1, 15 through 18 said he created everything. He holds everything together by the word of his power. Uh, he, see, when the Hebrews talked about God, I'm talking about the creator God. We don't talk much about creator. We run to Calvary. We run to redemption language. But maybe we ought to include, I'm talking about the one and only creator Maybe we've been so brainwashed by science and evolution that we don't think of creation. Oh, that's debatable. It's not if you believe the Bible. Look what it says. This one called the Logos. All things were made through him as the agent, and without him was not anything made that was made. Who created everything that had a beginning? God the Son, God the Word. Now, if I just gave you two uh, paradigms for creation, our kids going to college, and they're going to be bombarded with the atheistic, uh, non-creator view. Let me tell you, the two broad strokes, two broad strokes, simplified, there's basically two views. There's the non-God view, non-God view, and the God view, okay? Among evolutionists, there's all kinds of views. There's those that believe Big Bang Theory, some that don't. There's those that believe in the amoeba out of the pond uh, view way back. There's different views, but the basic tenet is impersonal beginning. In a Phil Johnson that used to teach at Boat Law School in Berkeley wrote a book, talking about Darwin, he says, he basically said, I believe in creative design. There is a designer behind the design. Yes, 
And so when he would go out and debate, he wouldn't take on people that were atheists by any logic. He says, does anything that is uh, uh, created and have design, and they'd often use the watch or let's take a computer, uh, is it right, is it logical for me to think something intelligent, it seems to me like, made something like this? Or would I just say, it just happened? Is it, now it took millions of years, but it happened. Wait, wait, no, I think somebody used to be, used to live in Switzerland, but now they live everywhere. I, I don't, I don't think you can make a watch or an eye. Is an eye an accidental uh, creation? Rebecca was just playing me on her phone. They've recorded sunflowers, sunflowers. They've recorded them singing to each other. The woman's in her garden, and she's got the equipment to record it. So that who in the world can create sunflowers that can sing? So we go back, impersonal. And so with impersonal beginning, you have to have time. You have to have chance. Because there's no design, there's no architect. You need matter, and you need a whole lot of faith. Guys who wrote a book, I'm not smart enough to be an atheist. I don't have enough faith. Because the other model is a creative power, a being with intelligence, power, and ability to make created all that's been created. And he didn't need billions of years. He could speak and things can happen. And so with him, we've got a, a real creator. All things that begin go back to him. He's intelligent. He's powerful. He can speak into existence in six days what evolution takes billions of years because of who he is. He's all powerful. And he doesn't, and, and aren't you, I just saw a Nova a documentary here the other night on the planets and a little bit. And, and you know, the guy just, just goes right along, thought, now, this happened three billion years ago. Just like that. I thought, how do you know? Where did you come up with three billion? Don't tell me about carbon-14. Carbon-14 doesn't go past hardly 5,000 years. Don't tell me you have a picture of it. Kodak hadn't been born. Don't tell me about your microscope. All of it is speculation. And what you want to really be sure to eliminate, there's nobody back there. And he said here, all things were made through him. Because he was in the beginning, before anything began, I was there. And I made everything that's been made. Our God is the creator God that shrunk to a babe in Bethlehem. The infinite became an infant. He shrunk himself small enough to live in the uterus of a Jewish girl. Amazing. Amazing. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's keep on. The babe is the agent of all creation. Now the babe brought life and light. This is the theme of John's gospel. And what he's saying here, uh, older theologies using the Latin term used to say Christ had a seity. He was self-existent, the uncaused beginner, the uncreated beginner. He was life. And then John, a favorite term he uses, is the life and light. What is light? Light reveals. Light exposes. Here he was God's life that he wants to share with us. And when he came, it was manifested to all the world. And even though they didn't believe it, they couldn't put it out. They couldn't overcome it. The light still shines. And why was he called the life? God told Adam and Eve, when you sin, you will die. You can sin, but the wages of sin is death. He came to a world dead to God, a world that had said, we would rather eat the fruit than live. I want a moment's fix, even if it kills me. And the whole race has been dying because in Adam all die. So he came to a graveyard of humanity and guess what shows up? He said, life just visited the cemetery of humankind. I've come that you might have life and I will put it on display for I will be as a light. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the light. Now, you know it's marvelous? God's word, as you keep reading it, he says he wants to share this life with sinners who will believe in Christ. I, I shared how that uh, I often was bugged by 2 Peter 1, 4, who says that we become partakers of the divine nature. Uh, now listen to that. You have become a partaker of the divine nature. Uh, have any of you been omnipotent lately? Well, you didn't partake of that. Uh, What about omniscient? You say, man, I just cry if I pass the test. I don't know everything. Well, how did you get in on the divine nature? Some say, some uh, uh, faith and prosperity preachers, they said that you become gods. Have we become gods when we become born again? We take on God's nature. What is it we become partakers of God's nature? How, is, that, is that blasphemy? Peter said it. How, how, do you, how do you partake in God's nature? You partake in his life. Eternal life is God's divine nature. And he came. Jesus said, take me and I'll plug you into something about God that's called eternal life. He that has the Son has eternal life. We share one thing about God, his life, from death to life in Christ. If you weren't sleepy, you could actually amen that and get happy. (laughs) But don't, don't get rattled. The eggnog is waiting. 
the truths we could set uh, that you are partaker of the divine nature. Is that not amazing? I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Well, the babe was witnessed by the greatest prophet who ever lived, Matthew 11, 11. Jesus said, my cousin is the greatest prophet that has ever lived. That's what he said about John the Baptist. And John said, I'm not him. The rest of John 1, he said, I came to bear witness he's the right one. The, this babe, my cousin, is the right one. He is. He, he's greater than any of the prophets. He's not Elijah. not Moses. He's, and I can't even untie his shoes. I'm not worthy to have anything. I'm a stupor. I baptize in water. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. There's one greater than me. So he knew the one to be born in Bethlehem, the one that was born there six months later than John. He said, this is no ordinary baby. This is the prophet that was prophesied all the way through Scripture. This is God the Son, God the Word, God the Eternal, God the Creator, God the Infinite is stepping in time and space to save us, to bring us life. Well, he says the response, the mixed response, that when he came to the world, it was quite a disappointing response. Isn't it amazing out of 7 billion people on the face of the earth today, how many believe and how many don't? How many people do you think in 2,000 years have believed Jesus was the life of God? God must not be in love with numbers or else he would have saved everybody. I can't explain why he hasn't saved except he gives man his stubborn wishes. Adam, I really made paradise for you to enjoy it, but your stubborn heart will choose to die. God doesn't want your kids to go to hell, but he'll let them go if they want to reject his son. Is that astounding? He'll let you go. God is not a cosmic rapist that he forces himself. His spirit alone can make you one his son. And if you don't want Jesus, God says, I'll give you what you want. But you won't like it. Because I'm going to banish you from Jesus. But he said, he came and his own hometown rejected him. The Jews rejected him. And then he said, hey, those who did come to him, it's not a result of their genealogy. It's not a result that dad wanted sex and the wife got pregnant. It's not a result of a husband's will that wants a posterity. We want to have children to keep the family name. He said, those who accepted him were born of God, not of bloods. It's not a physical thing to know God. It's a divine thing. You must be born from above. He finally says, this one will be born in Bethlehem. The Logos will be take on flesh. He'll be human. And that we'll look at next week as we look at his humanity. But this is what we're celebrating. I, I don't need a calendar to say Christmas. 
I don't need a calendar to say, oh, by the way, you need to remember Easter. Oh, forget Easter. That's a pagan name, pagan holiday. How often do I need to be reminded Jesus is alive every day? I'm saved by a living Savior every day, and I don't need the calendar to tell me what day Easter is going to pop up. That's for the kids and to buy little plastic eggs to rot their teeth. No, 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 no. Uh, that, the, the world and, and the Roman calendar doesn't set the event. He has been born. Even secular historians know that, but they don't know who was born. You can say the creator was born, one who existed before anything began. He who took on the name of word because he expresses the Father's thinking and mind. He who is called God himself. He that John said, it's him, it's not me. Him that if you receive him, you get God's life. He who brought the life of God. God the Son, eternal life showed up in a manger and the rest of his ministry was let me get you out of the darkness of sin. Let me get you out of the death of sin. I am the way back to paradise. I am the way, the only way. You can know God, get eternal life, have all your sins forgiven, and let's go back how I had planned this thing from the beginning, but sin ruined it. If you're being ruined by sin, and we all have been, you need a Savior. You need someone that can give you life somebody that can forgive you. He's on duty. He's on duty. He's alive right now. He will accept you right now. For those who receive him, who believe on his name, he will give you the privilege and the right to become a child of God. Have you ever received him? Have you ever received him? You can do it right now. It, it won't be good enough that your mama was a Christian, not good enough that you were raised in this church. You'd be raised in this church and miss heaven. You must be born again. You must personally invite Christ in your heart as your Savior and say, my faith is in him. I have no other hope, but he is God's gift of life. What a Savior he is. If you don't know him, receive him. And if you've not received him, ask yourself, why will I risk eternity on putting off a decision? Today is the day, not tomorrow. You'll forget the sermon within 20 hours. You'll forget it by the, by the first half of the first game. I could care less who it is. So don't tell me. Forget everything you heard because the devil, he lives, he's got a seat at our back door and soon as you get out here, he says, what he's going to do, right, he's going to jump your mind soon as you get in the parking lot and start stealing everything I said about Jesus. And he's going to steal, steal. He's a thief and a robber. What do you, he wants to rob you of Christ. He doesn't want you saved. He wants you to be religious. He wants you to be religious. That, that puts you in good standing. He wants you to be in the season, but he doesn't want you to believe. He doesn't want you to receive Christ. If you don't, your eternity rests on whether you take Christ or not. What's been keeping you from really knowing him? You're here today. You came because you have family, friends. 
you've got a burden in your heart. But some of you, I'm afraid, wouldn't have passed this test. You don't know anything. You've got to start with knowing him. Start with knowing Jesus. What keeps you? Why not today? I want to pray that God would save you. Either here, there, but don't let you escape that God has tracked you down to a Sunday morning service. And he's knocking. He's wanting you to receive his son. Father, apart from Jesus, we have no life. We have no forgiveness of sins. We have no hope. I pray for anyone here. I pray for family and relatives represented by this congregation, their children, their grandchildren, their neighbors, their mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, their whole network of friends and contacts. Save, Lord. Save. I, I uh, sometimes get bored myself with church without seeing someone saved. Who are you saving? Are you using us to reach anybody for Christ? We, we want, we're on radio. We, we run children's programs. We run youth programs. We, we meet here. We, we send money to missionaries. Save. Save. I don't want to be in the church business. I want to see people have eternal life. Come to Christ to have the scales fall off their eyes and be truly born in the family of God. Only you, Father, you're the source. You're the source of the life. And we're born again of the living word of God. Only Jesus saves. Jesus, I beg of them to receive Christ today and don't leave until their questions about tomorrow and eternity are answered. Please save today. For Jesus' sake, amen.